really, <clears throat> my uh, <clears throat> the evangelistic juices are starting to flow as well. I'm just constantly just, I don't know, I just feel it. How many of this world needs to know Jesus loves them? Amen? They do, man. They really do. Thank you, Lord. But see, no, but so now we're going to add some foundation to everything that, that just happened. And uh, so anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to, I'm going to read this passage and give a little bit of context to, to what I'm going to teach on here. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 6, it says, We also, or who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. For if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could, could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Um, <clears throat> how many know that there is a how many know that we're under a new covenant, right? We have a new way of approaching God. We don't approach God um, according to the old covenant. We approach God according to the new covenant. And um, everything has changed now. So let's go back to that passage of Scripture and let's start to break a couple things down. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to start to teach on it. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. The letter kills. How many of y'all, nobody in here loves death, right? Like, we don't want nothing to do with death. God doesn't like death. Um, God is... Um, not the author of death, God's the author of life. How many know that death will be the last enemy to bow its knee to Jesus? How many know that one of the things we receive is eternal life? Praise God, we get to live forever, right? <clears throat> and all the forms of death. How many know sickness is a form of death? How many know aging is a form of death? It is. I mean, when you get to heaven, there's not going to be old people in heaven. Everybody's going to be young. Father God, he's young. Jesus, young. Death is a form of, or excuse me, aging is a form of death. And, and we don't, we, I mean, we want to take a stand against death. We want life. I want good life. Amen? <clears throat> a part of the life, this is one of the things I was teaching the youth this week, a part of the life of God that comes out of you. How many of you there's joy in life, in your spirit? How many of you there's peace? See, this world keeps telling you, you know what you need? That new car is going to give you joy. You know, that, that new pair of shoes is going to give you joy. That new article of clothing, that new person is going to give you joy. I mean, you know, joy comes from the Spirit, comes from the life of God. And uh, there is no joy of cola. Amen? Have you noticed? <laughs> now, I like me some cola. Don't get me wrong, but it can't give me joy. It can't give me happiness. These things come from the life that God has placed on the inside of us. So we want life. We don't want death. But right here, it says the letter kills. The letter kills. What does that mean, Jeremiah? How many know there is a way that the scriptures can be released that will produce death? Some of the greatest things that's ever happened to me in my life have been in church. Some of the worst things that have ever happened to me in my life have been in church. For real. Like I have had great experiences in church and I've had literally the worst experiences of my life. Worst experiences of my life weren't in the crack house. Worst experiences of my life weren't running the streets. I've... When someone tries to stand in the place of God and condemn you and judge you, and that, how many of you know that brings forth death? How many of you know Jesus is not on a condemnation mission? 
Jesus is on a salvation mission. Jesus is looking to rescue. He's looking to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen? But there is such a way where Scripture can be released that it actually kills. How many know we don't want that? Can I get an amen? We want life, right? I want life. So the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of what? Death. There is a ministry of death. The Old Covenant, when it ministered the law, was a ministry of death. Because what did it say? It said this, you're not good enough to approach God. That's all the Scripture said in the Old Covenant. You're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And how many know they were right? How many know no one's good enough to approach God, right? Anytime Scripture or anything is ministered out of a place of condemnation, it's going to bring death, right? I mean, you could take New Testament scriptures and minister condemnation with them. And we're going to, I'm really, by the Spirit of God, going to try to make this so plain today that, that, we, that we leave this place with a greater understanding. So if, if the ministry of death, written and engraven on stones, was glorious, so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses, because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of what? Condemnation. Condemnation. How many know condemnation brings death? What is condemnation? Condemnation is judgment against. It is guilty. It is not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pointed finger uh, of you not measuring up, you not being good enough, God being mad at you because you're not good enough. How I many know oh, you can experience condemnation in a million different ways? And we're going to take a look at this here in a moment because how I many know oh, that condemnation has filled the earth? There's condemnation everywhere in the earth. The only place there's no condemnation is in Christ. How I many know oh, if you're not saved and you need not receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're abiding in condemnation, right? And, and, and I think the clearest analogy of this is, how many know that when the water was poured out in the days of Noah, how many know that water was a form of judgment, right? But how many know if you were in the ark, that water actually lifted you up? Who is the ark? Jesus. You know that. How many know Jesus is the ark? How many know the ark was the safe place? The same water that destroyed the wicked was the same water that lifted the righteous. Amen. And I know, and I know that whole scenario in the Old Testament seems you know, unfair and stuff like that. But how many know Jesus went and preached to all those people that died when he, went, <clears throat> when he went down into the earth? The Bible says that he's preached to the spirits in prison. Everybody's going to get shot to receive Jesus. Everybody is going to get shot. It's their choice whether they're going to receive or not, but everybody gets a shot. But there is no condemnation in Christ. There's condemnation everywhere else. Everywhere else. And just like Brian was sharing, everything down here runs on condemnation. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Isn't it amazing how, you know, just the other day, there was a girl who was like, she was uh, ex-Miss America. And um, this was maybe, maybe like three or four months ago. And, and just wealthy beautiful, looked like she had everything going for her, and she killed herself. How many know she wasn't experiencing the love of God? How many know she may have strove to be beautiful and successful her whole life, 
And she may have accomplished these things on the outside. But how many know that if she was doing it from a place of being condemned and never being good enough, that she was dying on the inside the whole time? How many know you can't put enough mascara on your face to cover the death that's in the heart? Are you all tracking me here? And just trying harder, trying harder. How many know you're never good enough in the world's eyes? Never. How many know there's always somebody smarter, stronger, wealthier, prettier, strong? You know what I'm saying? I mean, all the list goes on and on and on. And if we live our lives laboring under that measurement of condemnation, and that becomes the fuel that drives our lives, how many know it will kill you from the inside out? You need to know that you are enough just the way you are. You don't have to do anything more to be loved by God. Can I get an amen? That's what the Lord has for you, right? Now, how many know people, Christians, may love you unconditionally every once in a while? For like 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, I've noticed in my own life, like when the love of God's flowing through me, I, 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 can, I can shine Jesus. When his love's flowing through me. But when his love's not flowing through me, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just the truth. And, 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 and there are times when that's happening, and there are times when it's not. And how many know we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? But there is someone who does love you just the way you are, accepts you just the way you are, and values you just the way you are. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to be more. You have to do anything but surrender to that love. As you surrender to that love, how many know it will change things on the outside? But if we try to change things on the outside in order to feel value, then we're back on the stepladder of condemnation. This is the clearest example I can give you of condemnation. I really try to simplify this thing and make it plain because here's the thing. Condemnation is something that everyone in this room has to deal with on a regular basis. Condemnation is something that everybody on earth has to experience on a regular basis. Condemnation, the legalism, is always presented in the sense that you're trying to get somewhere to be something of value. Okay? And so if you're on the first rung of the ladder, you know, you're, you're doing a little bit better. You're doing a little bit better. You're doing a, the top is where you want to be, where you feel worthy of love or good enough for love or good enough for acceptance. The challenge is, is under the letter and under condemnation, you never reach the top. And there's always somebody in front of you. Someone that you can compare yourself with. Someone that you can think, if I could just be more like them. If I could just be more like them. If I could just be more like them. So you're always looking up at the top thinking, man, I wish I could be them. And then if condemnation is really rolling your heart strong, the people that are below you, you'll judge them and condemn them to make you feel better about the rung you're on. If condemnation is not handled properly, the only way that we, can de- we, we try to get some bit of relief from it is to condemn each other. Have you noticed that the vast majority of Christianity runs on condemnation? I just got to pray a little bit more than sister so-and-so so I can feel better than sister so-and-so. Well, yeah, I prayed this much. I, I gave into missions. I did this. I did that. And sister so-and-so, she over, she just, you know, watching TV. And so in order to take the weight of condemnation and I'm feeling, I leak it out onto her to feel better about me. I mean, you know, that's not love. That's not the kingdom. That's not good for you. That's not good for anybody else. 
You know these preachers are behind the pulpit condemning everybody? You know why they're condemning everybody? Because they're filled with condemnation themselves. And the only way they know, they, they release the poison by pushing it out on somebody else. And all we see is death, 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 death. The only person that can handle condemnation is Jesus Christ. He took it on the cross. He's the only one that can take it. The cross was the lightning rod. And it brought all the condemnation into it. And, 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 and sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus Christ. He was the Lamb of God that took away sin. Can I get an amen? And so now everybody that's in him cannot be condemned. Could you condemn Christ? No. Can't nobody condemn Christ. He cannot be condemned. Why? He's perfect. He never sinned. Ever. He never made a mistake. So you are, no one can condemn Jesus. Where are you? So what does that mean? That means that no one can condemn you. However, you can condemn yourself if you believe the lie that you're not in Christ. And if you condemn yourself, you will not enjoy all the beauty that the cross bought for you. If you condemn yourself, you won't be free. And you'll be stuck on the ladder somewhere, looking at someone you think is better than you and condemning somebody you think is not as good as you. And this ladder is misery. There's no family on this ladder. There's no love on this ladder. It's spiritual Olympic. It's spiritual competition. Now, the world operates like that, don't they? And that's okay for them to operate like that. It's not good, but that's all they know. There's condemnation everywhere in the world. But here's the thing. This ladder should not be in the church. Because right. right. nobody in this room is any better than anybody else. Nobody in this room has more of a right to God than anybody else. Nobody in this room is more right with God than anybody else. Can I get an amen? amen? There is no ladder. It's been kicked over, man. Because Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ climbed the ladder. He said, I kept this one, I kept this one, I kept this one, I kept this one. Now I'm going to die for everybody that couldn't keep any of them so that when you start in Christianity, you don't start at the bottom of the ladder. You start at the top of the ladder. This is where you're born again at. Boom. Perfection. Can I get an amen? This is, where you, this is your starting point. You don't start down there. You know, in church, I spent my whole life trying to get to the front row. I started in the back, yeah. crazy center. You remember me and Dane School Church? Yeah. I was crazy, wasn't I, man? High five! That is the most accurate description of condemnation I've ever heard. Clown. <laughs> He's right. And I started back here. And I worked so hard, on fire for God, on fire for God, on fire for God, on fire for God. Got to the second row, bam, eventually became a minister. Got to the end of the rainbow. Know what? There was no pot of gold. You know what there was? Another ladder. Because there's no end to that system. And then, you know, I don't remember, around 2010, I heard the gospel again. And I thought... I've spent all this time focusing on me, and my focus has been wrong. I should be focusing on Jesus. I'm not, and I'm talking about focusing on Him in the sense that, like, 
It's about him, not about me. I can't work my way to the top. All I can do is get rescued. He's a rescuer. I am the rescuee. From the, from the front of the church to the back of the church, everybody's rescued. No one can stand before the Lord and boast in their flesh and say, I earned my way here. It's just it's not done. Can I get an amen? And so I entered back into this place of rest in the gospel and the ladder got kicked over. And I got free from the ladder for a little while. But then you know what happened? Condemnation came back in. And next thing you know, I'm back on the ladder. Comparing myself to other ministers, comparing our church to other churches, comparing, 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 trying harder. And then at some point, what happens to some people is they just give up. And they're like, forget the ladder, forget Jesus, forget any of it. I'm going to go just die slowly. When the whole time God said, I never saved you to put you on a ladder. I saved you to seat you right next to me. Seated on the right hand of Almighty God. Jesus is no, Jesus is seated. You know why he's seated? Because the work's over. When do you sit down? When the work's done. When the job's finished. The job's finished. Jesus is seated. And he's trying to get as many people as he can to sit with him. Come on. Come, sit with me. Let me teach you a rest. Let me take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. I am meek and lowly in heart. I'm not this person you thought I was. I'm your rescuer. I'm your shepherd. I'm your savior. Let me rescue you. You know what the greatest thing God can rescue you from? Is your hatred of yourself. Your disappointment of yourself. Because the enemy works overtime to, tr- to try to get in that little voice in the back of your mind that's always judging you. Well, I'm lazy. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm too fat. Well, I'm too old. Well, I'm too skinny. Well, I don't have enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not like them. If there's not one fingerprint on earth that's the same, how much more individual are you as a born-again child of God? You're not supposed to be like anybody else. And, and fruit comes on different trees at different times. Can I get an amen? Abraham had some things that happened immediately in his life, and there were some things that took years. It's not your job to, 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 to grunt into fruitfulness. It's your job to stay seated with the Master and rest in His love and let that love compel you. Let that, let that love just be who you are. Just, 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 just nailed it prophetically in the Spirit. Just be. Just be. And in being, you will do cool stuff. Right? And you'll do dumb stuff. And he'll rescue you from both. Because you need just as much rescue from the cool stuff that you do from the dumb stuff that you do. Because if you do enough cool stuff that you start to think you're awesome, then you're going to get the fat head of pride and you're going to frustrate grace. Can I get an oh me? As Dan said, clown. (laughs) but condemnation kills so we don't want condemnation in our life all right this jar is filled with poison real poison boric acid and i thought i'm get some take some poison to church i need something to put it in she's like what i was like yeah but this, this is not baking soda this is not um 
this is poison. This is real poison, right? Now, how many know that I'm, even as I poured this into the jar, I was very careful to be away from my children. Like as I was pouring it in the jar, Lily was coming around this way, and I had to stop for a minute because I don't want poison anywhere near Lily. Nowhere near, right? There were some green beans that were on the table when I was doing it, and uh, they were out all night. But, but then I thought, you know, but I thought, I better throw these away just in case some poison got on the green beans, right? Because no one in their right mind is going to pour poison on their children. No one in their right mind is going to pour poison on their spouse. No one in their right mind is going to pour poison into themselves. But ladies and gentlemen, how much are we dealing in a poison con condemnation and not aware of it? How much are we taking spoonfuls of condemning ourselves and saying that we're not good enough? We're this and we're that, and we're comparing ourselves with other people. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you eat condemnation, you're feeding it to the people around you. And it kills. It kills marriages. It kills children. It kills relationships. No one is properly motivated by condemnation. It kills people. Now, you can drive people with condemnation. How I many of you can build massive, beautiful cathedrals and churches with condemnation? How I many know you can make people come to church with condemnation? You can make people give with condemnation. You can make people evangelize with condemnation. How I many know you could crack the whip and get the result? Outwardly, it may look good, but inwardly, it's full of dead man's bones because there's no relationship. There's no sense of self worth. There's always a sense of, I got to try harder and do more and do more and do more and do more and do more. And that's why we see people burn out. How many, how many Christian artists have we seen step down and renounce the Lord in the past couple years? How many pastors have we seen do that? Why? Because they've been running on this. They've been running on poison for years. And they didn't know that their scriptures were laced with the letter that kills. And it was destroying them. It, I mean, you know, legalism destroys relationships. The first thing Stacey and I noticed about me getting a hold of the gospel is our, the dynamics of our marriage begin to change. Right? But here's the thing. How many know that the enemy's never going to stop trying to pour condemnation in your life? Ever. See, never think that you arrive in this. That's extremely important. You do not arrive in grace. There's no arrival. Well, I, you know, I'm, I've written books about grace. I go to a grace church. I'm a grace pastor. I understand the gospel. I am uncondemnable. I mean, that's garbage. That's the dumbest thing in the world I could ever think is that the enemy is going to stop using his only weapon that he has. And then, and then he'll do this to you. When you know all these things and you've been hearing this message for a while and then you feel condemnation, he'll condemn you for feeling condemnation. Anybody experienced that? Yep. What a punk, right? Well, <laughs> look at you. You've been, you out of Grace Church, you've been listening to this. You read Destined to Rain. What's wrong with you? Right? He's never going to stop trying condemning you. So what are you going to do? You're going to have to get good at keeping the poison out of your own heart. Can I get an amen? Because if my heart is running on condemnation, I will condemn my wife. And I will condemn my children. 
and it's not going to bring life to them. Right? So what we got to do? We got to take it and put it right on the cross, man. Over and over and over and over and over again. We got to keep hearing the message of the gospel. How many of the gospel brings life? And you know, and I'm not talking about a doctrine or a teaching or a book. I'm talking about a person. I'm talking about Jesus. I mean, there's no condemnation in Jesus' presence. That's why everybody wanted to be around him. Couldn't keep the kids away from Jesus. Why? Because he he wasn't, he, he, he is life. Like there's no condemnation in him. Amen? He's given out the gift of no condemnation to everybody on earth. And it scares religious people. Well, you can't give the gift of no condemnation. How in the world are we going to motivate people to do anything if we can't condemn them? Make them feel guilty. My goodness, what, the church is going to close down? Might need to close down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, for real. If I'm giving out spoonfuls of death, then, ah. You know, if there's a, if there's a restaurant in town and all you're, all you're getting out of that place, there's a, there's a restaurant in Versailles. And, uh, and it's a Mexican restaurant. I'm not going to name any names because I'm not trying to be that guy. But I love Mexican food. I love tacos. I could eat tacos every day of my life. I, I would never get to, I love tacos, right? Just Mexican food. Give it all to me, right? Fajitas and all that stuff. Amen? But you know what? I've heard from a few people that they've gotten food poisoning at this restaurant. You know what happens? I drive by that restaurant and think, nope. <laughs> Don't we? All the time, like, we have the restaurants we go to. But this one in particular just opened up and all that. I'm just like, nope. Why? Because I don't want food poisoning. Well, who wants scripture poisoning? But people have developed an addiction to condemnation. It's amazing. You preach the gospel to people who've never heard it before, and, they're, and they think there's something wrong with you. Like, that's a new message. No, sweetheart, it's 2,000 years old. It's not new. Paul preached it. It just seems new because everyone else has been eating poison for the past couple hundred years. And it, it's like a, you know, if, 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 if we're not run on guilt and condemnation, what are we going to run on? Love. It'll bring a slower fruit. It won't bring an immediate result. And sometimes it looks like it's not working at all. It is true. But, but, it, but it will bring lasting fruit. It will bring a heart change. I stand for a day, I'm in love with God. And not because I'm awesome. Quite the opposite, actually. It's because I've needed Him so much. And He's rescued me over and over and over again. I can't help but love Him. Y'all tracking me here? Your weakness will bring you to a place of adoration. Amen? Because the goodness of God will lead you to change. Right? And so, so, you know, once this message is done, unless I'm going to use this again, I'm probably going to get rid of this. Why? I don't want poison in my house. So if it is that important and that powerful, do you think we might ought to get good at keeping the poison out? We should, right? Like, I'm not going to put poison in my children's cereal. So I shouldn't put poison in the words that I speak to my children. 
Because the words that I speak to them are more powerfully ingested than the cereal than they eat. That's where condemnation comes from, words. And it's not what you say many times, it's how you say it. How many of you can say something in a condemning fashion? Amen. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. How do you know someone's operating in condemnation? Their words. I tell you what, I've struggled my whole life with hatred for myself. Whole life. Struggle with it. Why? Because I've, I've just done dumb stuff from the start. And so, but here's the thing. How I many you know, I can't love you properly if I don't love me. How I many you know the golden rule is that we treat people the way we want to be treated? If I hate me, how am I going to love you? Can't be done. I can be nice to you. I can be funny. But I can't genuinely care about you unless I care about me. You know what I'm saying? And so there comes this place in our lives where we got to root, we got to pull the root of condemnation out. We got to attack it. We got to come after it. Right? Anybody ever, I'll tell you something I hate doing is weeding. I mean, I look at Dan because Dan's the grandmaster weeder, right? I hate weeding. Why? Because it, it just, I just hate it. And so, like, you know, with dandelion, now we, like, spray stuff. But, like, you know, you get a dandelion, and, and like, how many know if you pop the head off that dandelion, he coming back tomorrow stronger than what he was before? Like, let's put a camera on a dandelion and watch this thing grow out of concrete overnight. Like, these things are amazing, right? If you don't pull the root out, then you're going to have the weed right back. And how many know that Adam put a root in all of humanity of condemnation? And so we've got to attack that root. Listen to me. You're worthy to be loved. You're worthy to be loved. And until you know that you're worthy to be loved, you're not going to be able to love your fellow man. You might be able to like the people you agree with politically, morally, but I mean, no, you're not called to love the people that you like or agree with. You're called to love your enemies. That's what makes you like God. Not, not, not loving the people that are like you. A true sign of unconditional love is that you can love somebody that you totally disagree with. How I many, oh God, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you'll allow him to, he'll allow you to love people that, that stink. What he'll do? He'll show you why they stink. How I many of oh, the reason people are jerks and stink is because they've been hurt? You tracking me here? And how many know that person that me and Ethan were driving the other day? Ethan's driving. Ethan is a licensed driver. Can I get an amen? Took his test last week. Only missed two. Did awesome. So so pleased with him. But we were we moved some people yesterday and we were driving back. And somebody did something to us. They wouldn't let us over or something like that. And I was reached over and I grabbed it. I was like, we got beat with this brother. Like, it's this, this brother must be beat. <laughs> you know, so I was like, meh, meh, you know. But how many know that God loves the dude that just cut us off in traffic just as much as he loves me? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in that moment, I was upset, and I think it's, it's okay. 
You know, but, but my point is, <clears throat> is that we're called a supernatural love will love your enemies. A worldly love will love the people you agree with. What changes your enemies? God's love. How are you going to love them if you can't love you? Right? So we got we to gotta root out that condemnation and get it out of our lives. Because I think that a lot of us are operating condemned a lot more than what we realize. I really do. How, how do you know? What, what, let's, let's turn to, um, and we're going to close here very shortly. Let's turn to uh, Isaiah 54, please. We're going to close right there. Because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do this. And we may, we may dive back into this next week because I feel like if we could remove condemnation off of our lives, then people will see Jesus in us. You know what the condemnation is? It's a veil that covers the Christ. I mean, you know, when someone's under condemnation, their countenance is different. You want to know what an uncondemned person looks like? Look at somebody who just got saved. Do they glow? They do, don't they? They shine. It's crazy. It's awesome, actually. They shine. They just got to say, why? Because for a moment, the veil's been rent. And all you see is love, peace, joy. You see a little taste of heaven. But how many of the enemy's working overtime to sew that thing right back up? Why? He can't have people seeing Jesus in you. Right? See, one of the things I feel like the Lord's teaching me is this. You know, because I really want, my heart's towards evangelism. It really is. I want to see people know the Lord. This world needs Jesus. But I'm realizing evangelism is a less of an event and more of just being who you are. If you just be you, people will see Christ in you. I believe that. I really believe that. How many you know, if you can keep that veil of condemnation torn over your heart and you can be in that place of love and peace and joy and kindness and goodness and operate in your life like that, in Walmart, in the gas station, everywhere, then like, you shine. And people want what you got. But if you're condemned, you don't shine. You don't like yourself. And if I'm condemned, I mean, oh, the same poison that I'm eating, I'm pouring it out on those around me. Right? We would never put poison in our mouths or poison in, our, in, in, our, in the people around us' mouths, but yet, a lot of times, we live under condemnation. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Small break, Sunday morning. <laughs> and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And there I am, in dealing with the poison and spewing out the poison. Right? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pull the curtain back on it so we can attack it and get rid of it. Right? And you got to stay vigilant in it. You don't, you don't win this war and, and, and never have to fight this again. Hey, how many of us is the fight of faith? How many of there's a reason it's called the breastplate of righteousness? It protects your heart. It takes hits. Right? And so... Ephesians, no, no, Isaiah 54, verse 14, it says, In righteousness you shall be established, you should be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Now, how many know that righteousness, understanding that you're the righteousness of God, is what's going to set you free from condemnation? Right? 
Understanding that, believing that, getting your heart established in that. It's like, gosh, this is where it's at. Who is your righteousness? Is your righteousness what you do? No. How many of your righteousness, how many of righteousness is right standing with God? You're before God as you should be. Right? Amen? How many of your righteousness is not a behavior, your righteousness is a person? And now you're in Him. The more you realize that and you awake to righteousness, the less condemnation is going to hold sway over your life. But you got to keep hearing it because everything in life is trying to put you on the ladder. Everything. And social media makes it worse. Makes it way worse. Because it's easy to compare yourself with everybody else. <clears throat> you know, if I look at my gym, you know, in my gym, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm one of the fittest people in my gym. But if I look at Instagram, there's about six kajillion people that are fitter than I am. And make me feel like a couch potato. I mean, I mean, you, know, you, you could, I mean, and, and, I mean, you could take that out of fitness, and you can turn that in. You can look at finances, or you can look at music. Thank you. You know, you know, what I'm saying like, like, like everything in this world's trying to put you on the ladder. Okay, and 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 we have to labor to enter into the rest of being. Seated in Christ. I mean, you know, I don't have to strive to outdo anybody else to feel good about me. I mean, I don't have to strive to outdo everybody else to feel good about me. I mean, I don't have to strive to outdo everybody else to feel good about me. You don't have to strive to outdo anybody to feel good about you. You don't have to compare yourself with anybody else. If you live on the ladder of comparison, you're going to live miserable all the days of your life, no matter how many little rungs you climb. The Lord comes to bring a rest into your life to where you are comfortable in your own skin and you don't have to be threatened by somebody else's success and you don't feel like you have to condemn someone else's failure. Y'all tracking me here? Do you think what I'm describing is worth pursuing? I've dedicated my life to pursuing this. I'm obsessed with the gospel because I feel like it's the answer for everything. It's the main dish. And this, you know, and as I'm saying it, I'm relaying it in doctrinal terms right now, but I'm actually just talking about a person, Jesus. Embracing Jesus, letting Jesus embrace me, and living out of that place. Because most of what people are trying to do in the world is they're on the, la they're on the, they're on the ladder rungs, man. We don't, I mean, we don't want that life for ourselves. We don't want that life for our children, our children's children, our friends, our family, or anybody. I mean, you know, when you, when, you, when you are under the easy light yoke of Jesus and there's no condemnation, how I many you know you can bring that same rest into someone else's life? You ever get around someone who's trying to prove something all the time? I think adults do this to some degree, but I think young people are even more so because they're trying to figure out who they are. And they're always just trying to there's like this proving. How I many of oh, it's it's just exhausting, right? And and when you're just comfortable in who you are, knowing God loves you, and there's no condemnation for you, it brings a place of rest into your life. But this passage says, "In righteousness you shall be established." Established. What does it mean to establish? It means to settle it, and to finish it, and to place it. And the way I've been visualizing, it's like let's imagine that your heart. It's got these little tabs that click down 
almost like a circuit breaker. And I'll probably try to get something to make this clear. But how many know that Sunday morning you can have all your little tabs clicked down? How many know we're hearing the gospel today? We're finding out we're the righteousness of God. We're finding out we're forgiven and we're loved. We're hearing it. So we're getting established in righteousness. But then you leave this place and the enemy tries to bring in somebody or something to compare yourself with. All of a sudden, one of these little tabs gets clicked up. Clicked up. Clicked up. Spent a little time on social media, Facebook. Clicked up. Clicked up. Clicked up. Next thing you know, you are not established in righteousness. You're back on the ladder and you're weary trying to be something that you already are. Y'all tracking me here? And I feel like, so when you're established in righteousness, oppression's going to be far from you. Which means depression's going to be far from you. How I many you know fear's going to be far from you? If I'm right with God, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Right? So if I'm experiencing oppression and fear, I've got some tabs that have been unclicked that I need to re-click. How do you re-click it? You hear the gospel. Amen. But if you listen to legalistic teaching, it's going to unclick all your tabs and put you right back on the ladder. You've got to be careful what you listen to, man. And what, be, what might be okay for one person to listen to might not be okay for somebody else to listen to. You need to know that. Don't, don't try to micromanage someone else's relationship with God. Someone else may be very comfortable listening to this teacher because they're in a different place than you are. Leave them alone. They're being fed. Let them be fed. They're in a different place in their walk. We have this tendency to like, we want to make everybody do what we're doing. That's not how things work in the kingdom anymore. It's very individual. Amen? And so in righteousness, you should be established. Amen? You should be far from oppression. I'm shutting up. I'm done. We'll pick it back up next Sunday because I'm not even close to where I want to go. But do you, but do you see what I'm saying about this poison? Let's keep the condemnation out. Listen, no one can condemn you anymore. You are the righteousness of God. You've got to say it out of your mouth. Say it with me. Say, I am, I am. the righteousness of God, righteousness of God. In, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. I'm one with Christ. I'm not guilty. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I am enough right now and forevermore. I rest in His love. Keep saying it, man. Sword of the Spirit, so powerful. Speak the Word. That's one of the ways that we labor to enter in. Amen? Do you have something, Brian? Okay, you're good. All right, cool. I know this is kind of weird and we're just going to abruptly stop, but it's like, I feel like we could just stay here forever and I want to let you go. So, because we got to go eat Mexican, right? Amen. Not at that one place. So, anyway, just kidding. So, if you need to give out this morning, lift your hand.